Welcome to the Intention Training Podcast, where we talk about training, mindset, nutrition, wellness, and self-care. Hey everyone, welcome to the Intention Training Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 4. And today, what are, what are we going to be talking about, Roy? The main topic today is going to be preparation and mindset um, as it relates to fitness and otherwise. Just kind of how we... Um, utilize preparation in our day-to-day lives and the mindset we choose to embody on a day-to-day basis. Um, before we get to that, as usual, we're going to check in with each other, let you guys know what's, let you all know what's new with us, um, updates with intention training, and then we'll get into a little bit of news updates on the social justice front, um, and then we'll get into the episode. So let's start with the check-in. Jen, what's new with you? What is new with me? Hmm. I actually don't really know. I guess I have a meet kind of coming up in October. Um, so I'm, I highly doubt this will happen. But there's a meet in Chicago going on. Um, it's full. But I'm on the wait list for that. That's the 10th. And of then October? Yeah. And then my meet is like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's before that. I guess I should know. I have a meet coming up. Um... We are looking into buying a house. I guess that's like us news. So right now we're in the process of getting pre-qualified, which has been really weird in the time of COVID, um, especially considering that I just graduated college. So I haven't had like a super steady job for the past whatever years. Um, that's been really interesting to navigate. And then I'm, I'm probably missing something. Am I missing anything? Mm, I mean, how's your training been going? How's the job been going? Uh, I really like I really like hanging out with the kids all day. That's one thing that I've learned from this job is that um, you really need practice teaching movements before you can teach them to younger populations. Like there's a million ways to teach the same movement, and I think that's okay. Um, that's what I've learned is that like one way might work for somebody, might not work for uh, somebody else. And I really like having a job where I can be like up and going because otherwise my body doesn't feel great and my mindset suffers a little bit when I have to be sitting down all the time. Um, My injuries are getting a little bit better. I guess they're not really injuries, but just really intense aches and pains. (laughs) Um, So I I would highly, highly suggest Tony Rogers to anybody um, looking to stop an injury from happening before like it actually happens sweet um one thing you mentioned that i think is very important is you talked about just kind of like getting reps um teaching movements with the kids and i think that teaching something is the number one way to find out if you really understand what you're talking about Mm -hmm. um i think teaching something is a good way to go from like from knowledge or having the information to wisdom or being able to actually like apply it um to teach something you really have to know it and you have to be able to put it in terms that other people are going to understand so i think i'm happy for you that you're getting lots of repetition doing that and it can be monotonous to teach like i know we're both in situations where it's like small group stations so you're Mm -hmm. teaching the same movement like a hundred times a day especially when you're teaching kids going into fourth grade like this is how you do a box squat (laughs) what yeah but i think it's still i think it's really valuable and i think it's good experience for you so i'm happy that you're getting that um what about you so pretty much same old for me um i am studying for the cscs exam hopefully going to take that sometime this fall um I have to renew my CPR, AED, first aid stuff, so I'm That's working so on that. That's so fun, Oh, isn't my it? goodness. It's so oh, boring. I love it. Um, but important, so <laughs> I'm doing it. I am still, you know, I make a, a very concerted effort to learn every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd like to break this down further, um, maybe in a future episode or on a different platform, but I think there are tons of ways to learn. So 
some of the easiest like low-hanging fruit for me is podcasts so mm -hmm. i listen to podcasts every day about strength and conditioning um social justice mm -hmm. other things that i'm interested in and then i kind of take like the topics that really resonate with me or that i want to learn more about then i'll go and, and research and read um and you know, look on YouTube and do things like that. So I think that's a great way to make sure that you're doing some some type of, of learning and education every day. I don't think education has to be in a school by any means. Um, so I always make that um, a priority in my day. And we'll talk more about that as we talk about preparation. Uh, but trying to learn every day, uh, waking up real, real early. My days typically look like about 4.15, 4.30, wake up. Um, I, I give my, I don't necessarily have to be up that early, but again, this harkens to the topic of today, which is preparation and mindset. I like being up about an hour before I actually have to leave the house. Guess what time Kelly from the gym wakes up? What time? 3 a.m. Wow. To be at, 3 a.m. to be there at five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I could never. So I think I could. And I think it's, I really like having that extra time in the morning to, um, personally, things I do is I'll read, um, I'll do some mindfulness or breathing. Um, Maybe we should talk about this later in the meat of the episode. Sure, sure. I'll break down, we can both break down kind of our day, our typical days. I like that. And I think we were going to do that anyway. So yeah. I'll skip over that. But basically what I've been up to is waking up real early. Um, I'm still interning at Minnetonka High School with strength and conditioning, which is ending soon. Um, I have... I'm trying to take the positives and run with those and kind of forget about the rest. Um, it's been good experience. I'm getting school credit for it, so I'm very thankful for the opportunity, and I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I am, you know, still training clients one-on-one. -on -one. Um, most of most everybody is making amazing progress, which is super cool to see, um, and I'm having a blast with that. To, honestly, as much time as it takes up and as as hard as it can be to like go from place to place every day, it doesn't really feel like working. Um, so I, I really enjoy that. I'm having a lot of fun with my own training too. And then um, trying to just, I don't know, enjoy life, make time for, I don't do a great job of this, but it's something I'm actively working on is making time for um, just the little things like mm -hmm. watching shows with you and walking the dog and stuff like that. It's easy to get caught up in everything that you have to do or want to get done. And there's a ton of that stuff right, right now for me because we're trying to get things off the ground, mm -hmm. um, with our business and whatnot, but yeah, keep your eyes up for a website. Yes. We have lots of stuff in the works right now. It's hard because, um, there's only two of us. We've never done it before, God, I, but I we are know. actively working on taking the next steps, uh, to make this intention training a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say that I really appreciate everybody that has taken a chance on us so far, and I hope that you have been happy with um, the services we've been able to provide. So we're still doing small group training, which has been fantastic. I am really enjoying that. I'm working part-time, just staying real, real busy. Um, that's about it for me. I, yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right, so do we want to get into some news? Yeah, so I hope to make this a regular occurrence on the podcast. I don't know how it will be received, but I think it's important to do um, that we just kind of acknowledge everything that's going on in the world because ultimately this is more important than anything else we have to say. So I think it should be mentioned first. Um, the, the very first thing that I wanted to bring up is that it has been over four months since Breonna Taylor was killed. Um, Jonathan Mattingly and Brett Cosgrove are still on the Louisville police force. Mm -hmm. The Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, who is has been endorsed by Donald Trump and um, is a disciple of, and I don't know if that's the right word, but I couldn't really find a better one, uh, men, mentee maybe, as in Mitch McConnell was his mentor. Um, he has not given any definitive updates on his investigation for which he's the lead the fbi is also supposed to be investigating have not provided any meaningful updates did you want to butt in yeah so you can go to standwithbree.com standwithbre.com um to learn more about this i think it's really important that we not make her name a household name because something that really bugs me is i see george floyd's name on people's lawns and it just says like george floyd and that's that can be really desensitizing um i think it's I think it's important that we be intentional with how we talk about this and yeah everybody should know about it but I don't I think that it's just being overexposed and oversaturated 
so that nothing is actually getting getting done about it. Like no right. movement is actually happening. So I do want to just say like be mindful and intentional with how you are um, performing social justice and and thinking about it. I think the like the the checklist mentality is really dangerous, and we all yeah. fall into this trap. Um, but the 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 most prime example I can think of is I see, and this is just because I'm a big NBA fan. I see a lot of NBA players um, every every day tweeting justice for Breonna Taylor. Hashtag say her name, and I love that. I think it's great that it's on the front of people's minds. But at the same time, um, I feel like there are more substantive things you can say and do uh, beyond that. I think raising awareness is great, but I do think at this point, pretty much everyone is aware of the situation and that we need to come up with other ways to create an impact. Um, And it it has to be noted that even if, uh, quote unquote, justice, because it's an interesting conversation on whether these police officers are fired or arrested and convicted, whether that is true justice, because we will never get that life back. Um, her family will never get her back. Um, and, and whether who, that is really justice is decides, an interesting conversation. Who decides if it's justice, too? And so I, I think it's important to be acknowledged that even if that happens, um, even if we achieve quote unquote justice, um, the problem is not going to go away. So it, it has to be more than than that. And um Yeah, on to the next thing for now. Um, We'll be back, I'm sure. Uh, Another very pressing issue for us, and I'm sure many of you, because I know a lot of you are are local in Minneapolis, even if you're not, this is something that you should care about. Um, At the beginning of the summer, sorry about that. Um, At the beginning of the summer, Minneapolis Public Schools voted to remove uh, SROs, which is school resource officers school resource officers from schools, um, but they're quickly moving to replace them with public safety support specialists who will, quote, provide a bridge between in-school intervention and law enforcement. They are also required to have a law enforcement background. Um, They're private. They did this with no input from the community, no input from teachers, no input from anyone, really. Um, It's just another way to have police in schools essentially Mm -hmm. so here's a statement from we actually had the the privilege of going to a protest um for this very this very action um that was put on by the minnesota federation of teachers um 59 which is a local nonprofit, and they released this statement Um, This is another form of policing in our schools. Our communities, students, families, and educators have not been a part of this hiring process, which ends this Sunday, July 19th, 2020. So it's already passed. Did you apply? Did I? For the job? I did not. I did not. I do not have a law enforcement background. I did sign quite a few petitions, and I haven't heard any news on this. So even though that deadline has technically passed, don't let it don't let it slip. Um, uh, Please. Here are the demands that uh, MFT 59 is asking for. Halt this hiring process and involve all stakeholders in the decision-making process, students, families, community, and educators. MPS has stated that partnership with youth and transparency are values they hold, but that is not being reflected in this process. The district must be held accountable. So there are lots of action steps, um, such as petitions. They handed out some flyers with some uh, phone calls you can make with scripts and stuff like that. They actually had... um, scripted chants, which I thought was sort of funny, um, on the, the, the flyers they handed out at the protest. But if you go to MFT 59 on Facebook, there are plenty of action steps. They stream a lot of their stuff live as well. Um, so that's a great place for some information about how to get involved. I truly believe that police do not belong at schools. I had someone message me asking what happens when there is um, gun violence or school shooting. Yeah, so there's only been one time where a police officer in a school was able to stop a school shooter, and that was after the shooter had already hit their target and hurt another person. So there's really, like, no evidence to say that um, police officers in schools are able to prevent gun violence. And another thing, there's no evidence to say that having police officers in schools makes students feel safer at school. So there's really, there's no evidence. 
that's yeah. in favor of having police officers so in school. So here's my thing, and I think that's a totally fair question. And when this person asked, I didn't feel like there was any malintent. So I responded respectfully. Um, I tried to give them as much information as I could, and I totally appreciated them asking rather than just, just saying, oh, you know, Screwedest leftist. Exactly. Liberal exactly. snowflake. These are discussions we have to have, and I think it's a fair question. And these are questions I've asked myself. Like, when when things were really, really picking up in the city, uh, we talked, Jed and I talked a lot about um, what does mm-hmm. having no police look like? And, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, I don't think anybody completely knows. I think what we do know is that I would much rather rely on my community and invest in my community and believe that... Um, there are good people out there that want to help rather than um, contribute to the to problems like mental illness and homelessness and how those two intertwine. Um, so when we talk about police in schools, I totally agree. I don't think it makes anyone feel safer. I when you talk about things like gun violence and school shootings, I do believe that there needs to be a form of maybe I don't know the correct word like task force type of mm-hmm. thing. We need to be ready to respond to anything. But the problem with police or anyone with a law enforcement background is that trainings are like military based. Like they, you can read about this in the end of policing by Alex Vitale, but they are always trained to respond to the worst possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And that leads to so much violence. And when we were at the protests, we actually heard from Uh, a graduate of South High School, which is where Jen and I both went, and they talked about how strange and scary it felt to have Mm -hmm. police officers with guns just up on the balcony watching down on them as they ate lunch and stuff like that. And I I just, I would like to believe that there is a better alternative. Yeah. All right. We're about 16 minutes in, so let's get into the meat of the episode, huh? Um, There are a few other things I wanted to mention, but if you think so. All right, so today we're going to start by talking about preparation. So um, I would say preparation for your week of training, yes, but also like um, emotional and mental preparation is really important to consider as well. So for me, typically this starts on Sunday, actually the week before on Thursdays. I go through my planner and I write out my next week based on like what I know I have to do. And I like to leave a lot of free space um for opportunities that come up and I I just like if I don't have that opportunity in my planner for me to do something else then I'm I'm really going to stick to the schedule and and I know that that's not good for me cuz I like to have um some free time throughout the day so um that's typically how I start by like physically preparing for the week um but so what do we what do we want to talk about? I think so. How I thought we would start. Um, I like that you mentioned what preparation kind of means to you. Did you, or did you want to ex- expand on that at all, or yeah. just like what you believe preparing effectively so, is? Yeah, for me, preparing effectively is preparing physically, mentally, and emotionally. So. Like I said, preparing physically can mean setting out your clothes for the next day, packing your food, um, writing in your planner, or checking to see what you have to do. Um, and then also, in terms of going to the gym, I like like I do my prehab and rehab every day um, for my legs. And if I know that I'm gonna sumo um, tomorrow, let's say Friday, because I, I deadlift on Friday, and today, Thursday, is my rest day, and I haven't gotten a ton of movement and I'm gonna make sure that I have time to roll out my traps, um, open my hips a little bit, make sure that I'm getting into my glutes a little bit so that tomorrow I can be better prepared to for my workout. Um, so like that's physical for me mentally. Um, what I like to do is make sure is go through my checklist. I like to check off things on my to-do list. So my to-do lists are not very long. I like to have them like five things max because it's gonna weigh on me if I can't get to everything I wanna get to and it's gonna make me feel like I didn't really have a good day even though that's not objectively true. Um, Emotionally, I like to make sure that I have time um, for free play. (laughs) So like if somebody calls me and is like, hey, do you wanna go for a walk? and I want to, I want to make sure that I can take that opportunity. So I like to leave myself a lot of time, make sure that um, 
I'm talking to like I'm I'm getting emotional connections in there. So usually this is really big for me on Sunday that I'm connecting with people and because I know I can't do that a lot during the week. So for me, it's physical, mental, and emotional. What about you? Um, I'm gonna so I'm gonna go more broad. Um, to me, preparation just means doing everything that you can to set yourself up for success. Um, in the future, near future, usually. Um, I think preparing is super duper important, but I think also being adaptable is incredibly important. Um, things are never gonna go exactly how you think they're gonna go. Um, and that's something that can be really hard if you prepare to the best of your ability for one thing and then another thing happens. Um, that can really, really shake your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, so I think it's important to prepare. Um, for tasks that you know are coming, but it's also important to go through scenarios of what else could happen and um, kind of play the what if game and just be ready for anything. So I think there's part of preparation that, like you said, is physical. It's like packing your food, laying out your clothes, doing things like that. But there's also the mental component, like you said, and just being um, prepared for the specific things you know are coming, but also just being in a general state of preparedness where you feel like you're ready for anything and you can tackle the world. Um, and that's something that takes a lot of like hard work and discipline to instill in yourself and to maintain. Um, and it's an ongoing process. We're not always going to feel like we can take on any challenge, but I think in general, if you don't believe that you can accomplish, um, anything, then it, it's going to be hard to make any real, real progress. I think you have to generally believe that, um, as if you do the, the things that you need to do, um, mm-hmm. things will work out for you. I think when I was in college and I kept like a really, really detailed planner, like down to the minute, that works for some people. Um, for me, I have a problem where I'll stick to that plan irregardless of how my mental or emotional state is. And for me, I feel like I'm more disciplined now to myself now that I know that I need time. Um, to digest the day and recalibrate than I was when I was just boom, 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 hitting everything I needed to do. And then at the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, I got to do it again tomorrow. And that's so hard. Yeah. And I think that's a little different for everyone because I think um, through living together and having a obviously a very close relationship, we've realized that you and I kind of, we operate a little differently. I like to have Uh, I pretty much like to always be doing something, always be working towards something. I do definitely see the value in um, giving your mind time to rest. But I I just feel like maybe the amplitude is a little bit different between you and I. And so I guess it's just important to be in touch and know how much um, R&R you need to be successful and how you work best. And that's that's honestly part of preparing. I think relaxing can be part of preparing, no Mm -hmm. doubt. so that's kind of like broadly how I think of preparation. Now I think if we put it into practice and kind of solidify the concept for you guys, for you all, I have a really bad habit of saying guys that I'm trying to curb. So please check me on it, John. If I continue to say that, I'm going to try and say you all, everyone, folks instead. Um, and hopefully that's a good chickens. reminder for everyone out there. Um, for all you chickens it's out a, there. I, I think everyone, most people in the Midwest in Minnesota were so used to saying, hey guys, yeah, um, I mean, thank God it's not y'all, though. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... I mean, it's better. Yeah. Anyway, I think it would help if we kind of... And I, I think people are... A lot of people are curious what our, our days look like. Mm-hmm. So I think we can... If we both went through our typical day and talk about how preparation plays into that, I think that could be really helpful. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I think... I feel like my days are a little bit more clear-cut than yours. So... um before I think preparation starts the day before or the week before so like I said I write out my planner um, the night before I'm making sure that I'm getting into bed so that I can get seven and a half to eight hours of sleep Um, in the morning I always leave myself a little bit of extra time because you always think you're going to be like boom I'm out of bed that does not happen for me and I know that and I've tried to change it not successful yet so I just prepare for that I leave myself a little bit more time um, in terms of like food and stuff, I use the RP app, which has been really helpful because it tells me like like exactly what I need to eat to be able to perform for my workout. So already I'm thinking about 
um, gearing my day around this workout. And because that's that's my goal right now is to be able to be my strongest self and the best power lifter I can be. Um, so I feel like everything I do is kind of preparing, um, which can sound like a lot, but I'm making sure that I have my gym bag packed for both my clients, the things that they're going to need, and then the okay. things that I'm going to need to um, coach well and then to have my lift. Um, making sure that I'm drinking water in the morning, so right away I'm drinking 32 ounces of water in the morning right when I wake up. And that does not always feel good, but I find it really hard to just take little sips of water throughout the day. So sometimes, so I just kind of waterboard myself in the morning a little <laughs> bit. Um, and then, so, you know, I go through my day. Right. So what does a typical day look like? So usually I have a client in the morning. Um, before I do that, I like to do a little something for myself. So I'll read or listen to an audiobook or listen to the NPR podcast. Um, that's just so that I can wake up a little bit, have a client, then I'm going to work then I'm coming back to the gym so I'm making sure I get my pre-workout meal in while I'm at work going to the gym then I'm coming home and relaxing before I take a look at that to-do list and see what I need to do Um, Keep, keep going and then usually it's more relaxing after that after you work out yeah I'm a big relaxer that's just and I can get things done when I need to get them done. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm making sure I check off those three to five things on my to-do list, which is usually just hanging out with a dog, doing my prehab rehab, getting ready for tomorrow. Yeah, a couple comments. I think the fact that you know that you need that is, is really valuable because if we're talking about longevity and being successful in the long term, I think adhering to that and acknowledging that you need a lot of relaxation on a daily basis is gonna keep you from burning out and allow you to be productive and successful over a long period of time rather than going super hard for a week or a month and then burning out. Which Um, I did for four years. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all been there, we've all been there. Um, I was like, I don't wanna do this anymore because it's not fun. And I think we all find that there are instances where you take a very much needed break and you come back and you do better work or you find a solution that you weren't finding before. So it's really important to um, acknowledge that. Now, one other, so what are kind of like, what are like the non-negotiables for you? Like what are things you, you have to do to make sure that you have a successful day? Like if you don't do this, you're gonna get off on the wrong foot. And of course we adapt and we make things work. Um, you know, like yeah. your coffee spills in your bag, which happens way too often for me. I'm a chronic spiller, I don't know why. <laughs> I know why, it's because you put your drinks in your bag. And but then even you like when they're not down. in my bag, like just around the house, I always spill stuff. Yeah, I guess I do like to be adaptable because things things go off schedule so often and I don't want it to ruin my day. A few non-negotiables though are that I get my water in in the morning. Um, that I'm not I'm not rushing in the morning. Um, I like to have at least an hour before I'm out of the house. And then that I'm able to get um, my rehab done and I'm able to get June bug some exercise. That's important to me because not only am I taking care of myself, but I'm also taking care of my family. Mm-hmm. Um, so the non-negotiables for me are very minimal because... As they should just, be, yeah. I think, because, I mean, you shouldn't... Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's awesome. Now, what happens if, like we said, you don't get some of those non-negotiables done? Um, how do you adapt I just I just accept it because it's not an everyday thing. Usually I can get it done when I'm gonna get when I get I'm gonna get worried if it becomes an everyday thing. Then I'm gonna need to know that I need to change some behaviors. But everybody has an off day where, like, oops, I'm running late. I gotta have a protein bar for breakfast. <laughs> That's like I've done that before, and and I just I try not to freak out about it. Obviously, that's not an ideal breakfast for me, um, but. We all have those days, and, and nothing's gonna, nothing that small is gonna kill you. And you can make a better choice tomorrow um, and prepare that night to make a better choice tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think it's, you just gotta take those little things as they come and let it teach you. Like, oh, you gotta prepare a little bit better next time. For sure. 
You want to go? You want to talk about your day? Sure. And I think this will be kind of a good contrast. Um, so I'll first go through kind of my typical, and this is going to be a weekday. Um, it's different on the weekends. Usually no less busy, just busy with different things. Um, but the typical weekday for me is, as I started getting into earlier, um, waking up at about 4.15, 4.30. And I say that, take that with a grain of salt because I oversleep like everybody else. Mm. And it happens and I get pissed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I move on and I find time to make up for it. Um, but generally, on a good day, I'm waking up 4.15, 4.30. Um, I, like I said, I like this is part of my preparation is I like to leave myself um, some time in the morning to just kind of... I, I'm a big fan of kind of easing into things. Um, I've recently started implementing... I've always liked doing this, but recently started implementing with my clients. Um, just like light mobility work before we actually get into the session. Just 5-10 minutes of taking our joints through their ranges of motion. Um, it's just a super easy way to kind of let yourself get into the right mind state for the workout. Um, and I kind of take that approach to my days as well. So I like to give myself some time to get up, have a cup of coffee, um, take the dog out, do things that like that um, to just set myself up for a successful day, make sure I have everything I need. So what that looks like is pretty ridiculous. Not gonna lie, I'm bringing a huge gym bag, I'm bringing a full backpack and I'm bringing a cooler <laughs> with me because- Like five different drinks in the cooler. I leave the house around, depending on the day, five or 5.30 and I'm gone the entire day. Um, going from my workout to my internship, to personal training, to work. And then sometimes we have group classes and then I'm usually home. Can I can I say something really yes. quick? I think that the complexity of your days also and not in a bad way, but shapes how I go about my day because sure. because I'm like You can't be as busy because I, I'm so busy. Yeah, and it's and I know like I don't like to be busy anyways, but like that's why I have so many little non negotiables mm-hmm. um, that need to happen because things at the house need to get done sure. and and I might have to have to do something because you won't be home. And that doesn't mean that I don't contribute around the house. Um, it just means that we have to communicate effectively to make sure that what needs to get done gets done and that we're both um, contributing in some way, shape, or form. So for me, it might look different than it does for Jen, but um, we're working as a partnership um, and always, I always try to check in before I take on another thing um, to make sure that it's okay with you and it's not going to strain our relationship or our family too much. Um, yeah, I think that is also very important in terms of preparation is just making sure that um, you're communicating with whoever else you're relying on um, and they're doing the same with you. So. Um, when talking about my day, like I said, typically going, leaving very early, um, coming back very late. It's back to back to back, which can be challenging. Um, but I just try and I, I gen, I, for the most part, I enjoy what I do. Um, and preparation is absolutely huge for me because I am gone most of the day. So like I said, I have a cooler full of food. So I'm always packing all my food up the night before. And it's a lot of food because um, just to maintain my weight, and I'm not a, a big guy. I, I have to eat over 4,000 calories, so it's a ton of food and a lot of work to prepare. Um, but I always feel better if I have meals ready. Um, that it keeps me gives me energy. Um, I have something to look forward to, as trivial as that sounds. Like if I know that I have um, a sparkly water, something <laughs> to just kind of pick me up throughout the day, it really helps me out. Um, so I have that. I have a change of clothes. I have my laptop, I have everything I need. Um, So preparation for me um, to have a successful day involves a lot of the same things Jen expressed. Um, The biggest things for me are, I, I, I really enjoy having that time in the morning. If I don't give myself time in the morning to, um, kinda just process what I have to get done that day and get mentally ready, then it's pretty challenging for me to just kind of run out the door um, without having any time to like mull over how I'm gonna go about my day. Um, packing my meals is huge. I, having a change of clothes is huge. Making sure that I know what equipment I'm gonna need for my client sessions, which clients I have that day. 
Um, keeping a planner is huge for me. Uh, my planner is generally really full and I do have, I, I do struggle with giving myself too many things um, to work on sometimes. So um, I wrote down like a few strategies that I use to combat that and make sure that I'm not just working, working, working. Um, so I, I do think it's really important to set aside time for what's most important, which for me is um, family, number one, um, taking care of our dog, making sure that Jen and I get to check in with each other and we make never, sure that we're doing okay. We never talk about Toby on here. Yeah, well, he's just so low maintenance. Toby's our cat. He, he doesn't do a whole lot. No, he just mostly sits on the Good cupboard. Good guy, though. Great guy. Um, anyway, setting aside time for what's most important... Um, because if you if you don't make time for what's most important, if you don't do what's most important, then doing all this other shit is not going to matter in the long run. Um, I like to set... I have a, a reminder at 3 o'clock every day for myself to take 10 breaths, and I should probably do it more often than that. Um, I highly recommend that strategy. I try to do some form of meditation daily. Um, usually it's that five minutes in the morning. I have an Apple Watch and I like just using the little Breathe app for five minutes. Um, I don't always get that in, but I always try and make time for either that three o'clock um, or the morning session or both. Time management is really, really big because I do have so many things daily that I have to work on in terms of all the programming, um, projects, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, school. So I try to set timers um, to work on each individual thing. It's never too long. I make sure that I'm taking breaks and work a little bit on a bunch of stuff each day. Um, that's pretty much it. Another big part of preparation for me is for my own training, going in with a plan, writing out my, my workouts beforehand. Um, I It kind of baffles me that number one people and number two trainers go in without a plan um i actually heard the other day and i don't mean to judge i just this is not how i operate i heard a, a trainer ask a client so we're doing chest today right and it's like um <laughs> i guess no, oh my like, god whatever yeah i don't know um but that's a typical day for me so it's very very busy it's a back-to-back -back nature um but for the most part i enjoy it and as long as i prepare effectively i'm able to um maintain a pretty good mind state it does become overwhelming at times um i've gotten a little bit better at not taking on too much but it's still something i'm actively working on um when we when when it comes to like how do i adapt if things go off base like i mentioned i'm not perfect i sleep in i forget to grab my cooler i forget a change of clothes uh, oh my god the worst thing you can do is either forget uh, fresh drawers oh. or fresh socks oh. um, and oh. you work out and you can't shower. That, socks is fine for me. So I can't do it. I like, can't do it. I'd rather go barefoot. Really? Yes, it's brutal. Um, yeah, but That's, anyway, so what, what do I do when that stuff happens? Um, as trivial as it sounds, just try to remind myself that it's, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. No one else is going to know but me. Um, and you just have to know that not everything is going to go to plan. That's just how life works. Um, I don't have any r real particular strategies, I guess. It's just to kind of give yourself some grace and know that you're not always going to be perfect. But as long as you are um, pretty consistent with your goals and, and um, preparing, then I think you're on a good track. All right. Should we move on? So yeah. So um, towards like preparing for training? Yeah, so this is a, a very, we've gotten into this a little bit before. We've talked about visualization. Um, I did want to mention one study that I came across. Um, I'll try and make it pretty quick. We won't get too deep into the weeds, but there's a really interesting concept where uh, mental imagery can mimic some of the effects of actual physical training. So um, the this is a million dollar word, but the neurophysiologic me mechanisms of mental imagery and physical performance are very similar. So they have a very similar effect, um, which is pretty wild to think about, that just thinking about something and visualizing it can have some of the same effects as actually performing something. Um, results from this study, which was called Effective Mental Imagery on Muscular Strength in Healthy and Patient, in, in Healthy Participants. Um, it was a systematic review uh, published in the Journal of Sports Science Medicine in 2016. 
the results uh, revealed that the combination of mental and physical training is more efficient than or at least comparable to physical execution when there is no decrease in the total per physical performance time. Results demonstrate that internal imagery perspective has greater effects on strength performance than an external imagery. So the difference between internal and external is that an internal um, imagery, you are seeing things from a first person point of view, you are watching yourself go through the, the motions of whatever you're visualizing, first person. Um, external is that you're almost like watching yourself do it from a third person perspective. Right. So according to this study, the internal perspective is has greater effects on strength performance. Um, this review also suggested that mental imagery might be beneficial in preventing strength losses that occur during immobilization and ACL tears. So if you are immobilized but you visualize yourself um, extending your knee or performing, I don't know, if you're a soccer player um, taking a penalty shot, there you can actually have um, their physical effects from that, which is pretty cool. Christina Heilman talks about that in her book. Um, what is it? Champion Mindset or no, whatever? Uh, Shoot, I don't know. It's over there on the shelf. Good book, though. Yeah. Um, the results, the study also showed that uh, high mental effort induced higher electromyography um, activity than low mental effort. That just means basically muscle activation. So, like anything else, the more effort you put in, the greater effects you're going to get. Uh, short duration mental imagery training has greater effects on strength performance than long duration mental training. Um, short duration being three to six weeks, long duration being seven to 12 weeks. I thought this was really interesting because people generally say that the more often you do something, the greater benefits you're gonna reap. But it seems in this case that a more acute preparation, maybe like in the weeks leading up to a competition or yeah. a big interview or a presentation or something like that is more effective. Um, I can speak from experience that I, I um, recorded myself uh, doing a visualization script um, before my first power, powerlifting meet, talking about um, exactly how I was going to approach the bar, walk out the weight, actually squat the weight, what the crowd was going to look like, what it was going to feel like, what my surroundings were going to be like, what I was going to do if things went wrong. And that's a huge part is actually... Um, Visualizing when things go wrong and how you react has been shown to be a huge, huge component of this. I think um, that it makes more sense, actually, that the short term um, would be more effective because when it's short term, you're still reacting kind of nervously or anxiously or, or, or acting, uh, blah, um, reacting with like a heightened arousal level to what you're imagining whereas when it's longer duration I think that you kind of get used to it and that's not how um it is in real life like you're not in a competition environment very often mm -hmm. if if you're like um a good powerlifter yeah you're usually taking breaks there so I think it makes a little bit more sense that it would carry over short short term because um when you're uh god I think they say like it's not imagining, but when you're using that imagery, it, it's more realistic because your hands do start to sweat and mm -hmm. um, your heart rate does increase. Yeah, there's some of the most like popular ways to um, do demonstrations with this, this type of thing. It's like if you've ever been through, I think there's one where it's like somehow the leader invokes you actually tasting like lemon or salt on your tongue. They take mm -hmm. you through this really, really, they have you close your eyes and take you through these really, really descriptive um, scenarios. And wildly enough, you usually can end up tasting whatever they're describing. It, it's really, really cool, I think. Um, there's, a really, really there's a really famous study where um, they had participants um, who were like, very high level piano players. Um, you know what, actually I don't want to butcher that one. I, I don't have it on hand and I don't want to butcher it, but feel free to look up just piano, um, mental imagery or mental practice study and I'm sure you can find it. It's a really, really cool study. Um, to wrap things up on, on this front, the, yes? Well, I found that um, study show that visualization improves athletic or um, 
other performance when coupled with physical practice. So you can only learn so much, obviously doing it in, in your head, you actually yep. have to practice some movement. But if you're also able to practice some movement, that mental imagery is going to up your game. Um, sometimes it might be the difference, but unless you're not, I mean, unless you're doing that physical activity, you, how are you seeing your skills improve? So um, internal visualization of movement patterns can actually help create neural patterns in the brain which will help condition your your body to be better coordinated in whatever activity yeah Um, that's saying that you put that to practice we've talked a bit about how important the nervous system and the muscular system interaction is um in anything any physical activity um but neural adaptations are very real and they're very responsible for anything like strength strength wise coordination wise power wise just how fast can your um motor neurons interact with the actual muscles themselves and how fast can you relay information back and forth um makes a huge difference so i I, to me these neural effects um could, could be huge in terms of physical activity um from here i think we'll move on but i encourage you to try mental imagery um or visualization it would be easy enough to find something on YouTube um, create your own script or even just sit down um, before your day whenever you're listening before your your day and kind of walk yourself through what you have to accomplish that day visualize it going well um, visualize things that might go wrong and and formulate a plan on how you'll react and let us know what you think um, so the next thing we wanted to talk about now we're going to move a little bit more into like the mindset area. We're still talking about preparation here. Um, we, I wanted to talk briefly about willpower. Um, willpower is a finite resource, so we we can only make we only have so much capacity to make good decisions, um, which we all we know all too well. But willpower is defined as the ability to resist short-term gratification in pursuit of long-term goals or objectives. Um, Willpower is correlated with positive life outcomes such as better grades, higher self-esteem, lower substance abuse rates, greater financial security, and improved physical and mental health. Pretty great, right? Um, Except that, like we said, it's finite. And when willpower becomes fatigued, uh, studies show that repeatedly resisting temptation drains your ability to withstand future enticements. So the more times that you resist things, the more susceptible you are to saying yes the next time or making a a poor decision the next time. This is why you should just have that donut. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) That's a perfect example. Um, Willpower depletion impacts a range of behaviors, including food intake, like we just said. Uh, so, So if you're completely restricting yourself from having um, that treat that you want, it's highly likely that when you do cave in, um, you're going to eat the whole tub rather than having a bowl. That's kind of how that... And then your tummy will hurt. Yes. Uh, Avoiding temptation and planning ahead are effective tactics for maintaining self-control in the face of temptation. So this is how preparation comes in. Just as muscles are strengthened by regular exercise, regularly exerting self-control may improve willpower strength over time. Um, It's also important to note that our willpower is strongest in the morning. Um, So generally it's it's good to do, to make the harder decisions earlier on in the day. Uh, Don't make any rash decisions late at night. We've all heard that. Um, Yeah, the next thing I wanted to talk about So let's talk about mindset a little bit and how it plays into um, preparation. So I very much believe that we do have some agency in our overall outlook towards life, Um, but I do not uh, subscribe to constant positivity or always being the glass half full person. How How do you, what does that mean to you? What is mindset? What comes to mind? So a lot of people say like positive mental attitude, which doesn't mean like constantly being positive, but knowing that you can push past um, any adversity and grow from it. Um, And that, you know, tough shit might happen and you might have a bad day, but that's just one bad day in like years full of good days. Or that's just one bad workout compared to a million other good workouts. Just knowing that things will get better and it's okay that they're shitty right now, but you're going to move past it and you're going to be better for it. 
Yeah. I, I do think in general it's good to have a positive outlook, but I also think it's important to recognize that negative emotions are normal and they're okay. Um, it just comes down to how you deal with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about a concept called toxic positivity. You may have heard of toxic masculinity, um, which we <laughs> have probably different. discussed at some point um, or will. But so toxic positivity is the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state across all situations. Uh, The process of toxic positivity results in the denial, minimization, and invalidation of the authentic human emotional experience. I think this is extremely, extremely relevant to... I think a good example of this is in that, um, God, is it in one of the Hangover movies and the guy's like, but did you die? <laughs> right. And it's right. like, this is a really good example. Of, that's a really good example of like toxic positivity. Like, yeah. oh my God, I like got into a car accident today. Today has been really hard. Don't just, but did you die yourself? Okay. Process those emotions. And then tomorrow I'll be like, but I didn't die. So today can be a little bit better. Emotions happen for a reason. There's, yeah. it's, it's not just that. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Um, But so a little bit more about the concept, just like anything done in excess, when positivity is used to cover up or silence the human experience, it becomes toxic. By disallowing the existence of certain feelings, we fall into a state of denial and repressed emotions. We get jealous, angry, resentful, and greedy. This is normal. Humans are flawed. Stuff happens. Sometimes life is hard. Um, But by pretending that we're positive vibes all the time, we are denying the validity of like the genuine human experience and things going wrong and suffering and emotions happening. I think that we also deny ourselves chances to grow and work through adversity, which only can make you better in the long run um, and make you better at dealing with things when they come on so that you can generally be more adaptable and, and more positive, not in like, you know, just like smile, smile through it all, yeah. girl. Yeah, that, see, that is not helpful to me um, whatsoever. But like, then you can be like, okay, there's a few ways I can look at the situation. Either way, I need to process it. Yeah, as and, we were discussing earlier, I think there are, there are tangible ways that you can make an impact on whatever your situation is in life. In most cases, there are cases, um, mental illness, disability, where that may not be possible. Um, in certain scenarios, but I think for in a very general sense, there are usually things we can do to impact our situation for the better. So I do encourage that, but I don't encourage you to just ignore or suppress or deny emotions that you're experiencing because if you don't process those emotions, um, there's no way that you're going to be able to move on i don't mm-hmm. think it'll it'll just be or deep learn. down and, and impact and right and learn adversity is how we learn failing is how we learn um it should be encouraged that oops you're gonna have a few oopsies once in a while and that's just how the cookie crumbles so let's go through these signs of toxic positivity i'll read one and you read one okay um i'll start so these are kind of just how toxic positivity shows up in everyday life so the first one is just hiding or masking your true feelings um i think the biggest and the biggest example that comes to mind for me is just saying somebody asks how are you oh i'm good even if you're not good um and and it's not even the correct answer you should say i'm well (laughs) okay that is that's the number one example that comes to me so hiding or masking your true feelings and this is hard because it's obviously so much easier to just say i'm good i'm fine than actually telling someone what's wrong but i think you'll find that if you do tell someone what's going on in your day or like if I tell someone, oh, I spilled coffee on my way over here, then they'll empathi- empathize with you and it might make you feel better and you might feel closer to that person. Yeah, this is like me and Kelly the other day at the gym. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fucking tired today. Oh my God, me too. Mm-hmm. I slept in. And it's like, look at other people are imperfect. I love that. Definitely. So second one is trying to just get on with it by stuffing, uh, stuffing down or dismissing emotions so that this would be like, Smile though, like. Or the. So, the the thing that comes to mind here for me is like when something that is important to you goes wrong, um, but some, it may not be important to someone else. But somebody will say like, "Well, it's just it's not that big of a deal." Like, like you're oh, still well, alive. You'll you're do st- it next time. Exactly, and people don't realize that 
what's important to everyone is different and we all like like I said emotions happen for a reason so anyway let's just move on uh, feeling guilty for feeling what you feel. Um, this is a pretty common one that we all deal with, but like we say, emotions happen for a reason and you have to acknowledge them and kind of grapple with them. This is like, like, well, other people have it worse, so I should, I should just be thankful mm-hmm. for what I have. Which, I mean... I think you should to a certain extent, but also it's okay to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. You should never... You should never like condemn yourself Mm -hmm. for having emotions because they just happen yeah all right minimizing other people's experiences with feel-good quotes or statements here we go a smooth a smooth what the a smooth ocean never made a skilled sailor (laughs) don't don't say that shit to me right yeah um just like quotes like that it's just not helpful no it's just not helpful it doesn't immediately help a situation we all know that that's true um but you saying that doesn't make me feel any better uh-uh. next up we have trying to give someone perspective saying it could be worse um instead yeah. of validating the experience the the emotions that they're expressing mm-hmm. to you saying i'm sorry you're feeling that way mm-hmm. um what's next uh, shaming or chastising others for expressing frustration or anything other than positivity. Like, I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I, we were talking about this earlier um, on a walk, but when somebody, I, I really, it's hard when somebody will be like, well, you're just really bringing me down or something yeah. like that. And I, I think it is okay to say that like, um... I don't know. It's a really tough one. It's okay to be like, hey, I don't have the emotional capacity for what you are are dealing with right now. Yes. And, like, I would appreciate it if you would ask me first because, you know, you never know what somebody else is dealing with. I think it's okay to set those boundaries with people, but I don't think, like, oh, your feelings are really bringing me down. That is so selfish. That is And there's a different way to go about that. Like, that goes back to just invalidating someone's experience as a human. Um, and I think all of this has a huge, huge um, implication for um, racism in America because mm-hmm. you... Oh, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I want to go there. Just know that. Just, All right, last we'll one. We'll leave it at that. You can figure it out for yourself. Um, the last one is brushing off things that are bothering you with a, it is what it is. Um, what do you think about that one? I'm kind of, I'm a little torn on that well, one. Well, I mean, it is what it is, but I mean, here's where, here's where you can be objective and be like, this happened to me. Like, I think that once you're done being upset with it or being torn you can kind of take more of an objective view than a subjective view so i think sometimes this is what people need is this is my current situation now where am i going to go from here because what just happened only predetermines my next step if i let it and it I only think, predetermines my retaliation if I let it. I think when you say it is what it is, you kind of eliminate the process of grappling, okay, why did this happen? Yeah. Um, how does this make me feel? What can I do to prevent this from happening in the future? It takes agency out of it, your own self-agency. Mm-hmm. Which we do have in most cases. Um, and that goes back to controlling the controllables mm-hmm. and preparing. Yeah. So the, how we're going to wrap up the talk on the, the toxic positivity um, is I'm going to say a toxic, a toxically positive statement, and you are going to combat it with a non-toxic, acceptant, accepting and validating statement. Does that sound good? Yeah. Um, and just so you guys know, we're not coming up with these on the spot. We have sources, um, and we can list those if you want, but I just don't think people really care as long as the information is good. So um, here we go. Don't think about it. Stay positive. Describe what you're feeling. I'm listening. Don't worry. Be happy. I see that you're really stressed. Is there anything I can do? Failure is not an option. Failure is a part of growth and success. Everything will work out in the end. This is really hard. I'm thinking of you. Positive vibes only. I'm here for you, both good and bad. I think we'll cut it there. I think 
I, I enjoyed that. I think that's really valuable. I, I like yeah. kind of flipping that, um, flipping that. So my takeaways um, from this whole discussion that we've had are kind of that it's important to be adaptable, but you should also prepare to the best of your ability. Yeah. Um, keep your priorities straight. Make sure you make time for the most important things. Um, and it's so you don't always need to be like in the zone working towards something. It's okay to just be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hop into Q&A before we finish up because so, we're at about an hour So first mark. of all, first of all, y'all need to do better. Hey, we got one. We got one question. And we so appreciate it. I'm going to be super positive about this <laughs> Okay. So um, how to get motivated after no longer being an athlete after doing sports your whole life? You, yes. You want to give your thoughts first? Um, I do. So no... Okay, first you need to establish some expectations or some goals. And these goals should be broad and they should not be comparing yourself now to yourself then. It should be comparing yourself now to your ideal self. So it should be like, I want to make, I want to make time to have three sessions for 30 minutes this week. Um, goals like specific like that um, and you need to like what did think of, think back what did you endo- enjoy about what you did was there parts that you you didn't enjoy and you don't really want to explore because you don't want to just like I don't know it's really hard yeah you go um, well as speaking from the perspective of someone who sports were a huge part of my life growing up, and they still are, but I'm no longer um, a competitive athlete. Um, I think that one of the beautiful things about that is now, like you said, you can take what you enjoyed and run with it, and you mm-hmm. can leave the rest. Because yeah. um, you're not, as bad as it sounds, like team sports are hard because you're relying on other people. And now it can just be you, and you're the only one that you're relying on which can be can be great um it can be hard because you can easily let yourself down as well so when it comes to like how do you get motivated um i i think setting goals is super important i love that you went with a process goal Mm -hmm. um being i'm gonna go for three sessions a week for 30 minutes rather than an outcome goal which would be like uh i'm gonna get my vertical to 45 inches within yeah the next month yeah um because there's so many factors that are going to impact whether that comes to fruition or not, yeah. but whether or not you get three sessions in, um, as long as it's a reasonable goal, that's pretty much on you. And here's the thing, like your goals, your athletic goals or your athletic taste might have changed since you played sports and you could be like, well, I really enjoyed this then, but actually that's not really what I want to do now. So it's kind of like a process of re-exploring yourself as an athlete because um when i was younger i i wrestled i don't really think that i would like that anymore yeah. I, I just don't so the biggest things when it comes to getting motivated for me is just i i think once you start to establish a habit and see progress that you're making that motivation is pretty natural um but i i think that it's very important to approach the session kind of like how you would approach a competition or a game just really get mentally prepared i talked about how i like to start with light mobility work and just kind of think about the exercise i'm going to have to perform um how am i going to execute what's that going to look like and this goes back to the visualization talk even if you're not sitting down listening to a script um as long as you are you're actively thinking about what you're going to do how you're going to do it what you're going to do if something goes wrong um i think that's going to really really set you up for success so when it comes to getting motivated i think how we get motivated um is pretty individual some people do better with intrinsic motivation which is just where you feel really validated and good when you accomplish something whereas other people might do better with extrinsic motivation where you get a a bang when you work out you get a monster when you work out and i think a mixture of both is good if we rely too much on extrinsic rewards it becomes a little bit dangerous so you have to find something that you enjoy doing and that it makes you feel good Um, and you'll get that intrinsic reward and you'll feel motivated and you'll want to come back because you're improving on something you're enjoying it and that doesn't have to be any particular thing 
kind of related. I think um, one of the aspects of being an athlete is that you have a coach to report to and a coach to um, measure your progress. So if you can't like afford a coach, I would just recommend reaching out to somebody um, for kind of like Roy <laughs> um, for accountability purposes and being like, this is what I'm trying to do. And I would appreciate any help that or support that you could give me because um, that's a really big part of, of being an athlete. And somebody else is going to be able to objectively see your progress much better than you are. Yeah. Um, last thing I'll say, and we'll wrap it up, and unless you have anything else to add, is I think it's so important to explore and try new things. Um, now that you're not a competitive athlete, or at least right now you're not, you have time to try things that you've never done before. And there, there is so much out there in terms of strength and conditioning and athletics that you can try. And I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, it's, uh, the perfect time for me is in the warm-up to just try different things. Um, see, see if it works, see if you like it, see if it prepares you as you need. Um, I, I think that's probably the best advice I could give when it comes to getting motivated. The other things are really small things, um, like what music are you listening to, uh, things like that. All right, gonna wrap it up. So you can give one, one media suggestion. One. Media, wow, okay. Um, well, I actually, okay, I never Just thought one. I would say this, but I really, really enjoy, am enjoying Pop Smoke's uh, deluxe version of his new album, so I'll promote that. All right. Mine, everybody, watch Kingdom oh on Netflix, goodness. not the zombie anime one, although I heard that one's really good, too. Um, I'll, I'll probably watch it next. It's the MMA one. It's super good. So, like, yeah. All right, before we leave... Things that, and I, I just want to give a quick um, kind of preface to this. When we talk about these these social justice things, these current news things, um, it's not super objective in the way we're presenting it, and I know that. Um, and that's because I firmly believe what I believe in, but that is not to say that other perspectives are not okay and that I'm not, I am not open to... Um, hearing other perspectives or discussing. I just want to make sure that I stand up for and give light to what I believe is right and wrong um, in this world. Jen, do you have anything to add there? Mm -mm, that's okay. good. So other things to be aware of, and I'm not going to go into detail. I'm simply going to mention the issues. Um, I want people to be thinking about researching Parks as sanctuaries. I want you to look into um, the eviction moratorium that ends August 4th. I want you to um, start looking into micro schools um, and what that means for uh, learning this fall. Um, I want you to look into the situation in Portland and I will leave it at that. Do your own research and if you wanna discuss, I'm happy to discuss. All right, see you guys next time. Thank you all.